Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football. A semester has come and gone. 14 episodes have come and gone, and a regular season has come and gone. But I think it's fair to say that on this 15th episode, we've hit our favorite one of the year. Uh, my name is Christian Griffin, and alongside me is someone who I greatly appreciate, uh, Mr. Donovan Weaver, someone who I met legitimately 15 weeks and one day ago. Uh, we got together on Tuesday, September 6th, planned out a show, went on the air the very next day, not really having any idea what we were expecting or wanting out of this, and... 15 weeks later, here we are. Yeah, no, it is, it is pretty awesome. I think we talked about it once when we first did the show. We're like, we just, we, we literally <laughs> just met, now we're on air. But no, I, I think it's it's just kind of like funny and cool how like everything's worked out. Like we both needed a co-host like that day. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Britt uh, Bowen, who's kind of the guy that oversees Weagles, like, um, Hey, I, th- there's this guy named Christian. I've met him a couple times. Seems super nice. Why don't y'all just hash a show out? If it, if it's not any good, that's fine. But you really need a co-host because I was planning on going solo. Yeah. Um. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. We, we we can hash it out. We'll see how it goes. And then just like sparks almost, and it just clicked instantly. And again, these last like what 15, 14 weeks have been amazing. Yeah, it's crazy too because I was uh, talking with some people about it earlier. It was like we filled the pieces that we didn't have. Like we both needed a co-host. That was one thing that we needed. But I had like a big time show in mind, but I didn't have a time slot or like any of any official stuff figured out. And I know that you were planning on going solo, but kind of were just like, well, we'll talk about whatever. But you already had the specific slot and everything. So when we went to that meeting, they were like, hey, y'all two try something. And it was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, we hashed it out and here we are. No, yeah, and thank God because – Again, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have that Colin Cowherd-esque uh, <laughs> ability to just go solo and just talk for an hour about nothing. I'm I'm sure I might have could have made something work, but no, I, just the banter. And um, I think how we both kind of look at stuff a little differently and then stuff similarly. No, I think we play off each other pretty well. So, again, just thankful for everything that's happened. Yeah, and it's cool, too, how we didn't necessarily plan on it forming, like, you know, you being the monetizer or whatever and asking the questions, but after – three or four episodes it was like hey this is this is kind of cool I like how this is working and we've built off of that and that's almost become the the foundation and yeah we're gonna again we're hoping to hoping to be able to hear back in a couple days whether we can go to two hours next semester that way we can have like some call interactions and stuff like that especially with football offseason we'll talk a little bit about basketball and as much offseason stuff as there is but we love to be able to to interact a little bit more rather than just shoving stats you know down down your throat and that was what I mentioned earlier about this being our favorite episode to date I say that I feel like it could be our second the blackout episode yeah the, the blackout episode ago. was nice that one probably does top the charts because I think that was like an hour and 45 minute segment uh which honestly it could be kind of close today if nobody else nobody else comes in but we'll have to see here in about an hour or so but this this episode is so special because there's not much to talk about, but there's so much to talk about. We 
uh, we planned it to where we have six games to talk about, and that will take up our entire time. The New Year's New Year the New Year's six games, uh, and that will be everything. We'll go through the first four, and then we'll end it with the college football playoff semifinal games. We won't have to talk as much about the championship because of uh, we'll be back here before that ends. But yeah, just six games. We'll be able to to conversate a little bit more about them rather than just. Here's a stat, here's a stat, here's a stat. Yeah, before we get into that, though, we're just going to a quick update on Auburn basketball. We did fall to Memphis uh, last Saturday, 82-73, to in a game where it kind of looked like how we kind of looked all season, just not very good, just not, like yeah. kind of sluggish. Maybe the, the star players we were hoping coming into the season haven't really, I guess, in take form yet. And while I will admit I'm not really worried at this point because it is so early in the season – um, I do feel like we better pick stuff up fast because SEC play is what in week, week and a half. We got Florida coming in on the 27th, so I don't know. Obviously, we'll talk about this a lot more next semester, but are you worried about the Tigers at all, or do you think we'll be able to get it back on track? I mean, it's hard to, to not say you're a little worried after a loss like that. The offense did not – they didn't look awful. The offensive side didn't. Uh, defense definitely didn't step up, got out physical by a team that you're more physical than, and that's kind of where the concern comes from. And I get a thing that's, I don't. It's not funny, but a thing that I see all the time is, you know, you lose a game like this, and it's like every, all all the fans are like, okay, let's go ahead and get, you know, it's better to lose now than March. Yes, but at the same time, a loss like this is not a loss where you're like, okay, we're gonna be okay. Like we just got to figure out a couple of things. It's almost kind of like a, oh, like is this, could this be the reality of the season because so many pieces were lost? Yeah, but and then also real quick we. Again, we're not going to talk about it long because, again, go watch literally every other. Go watch the SEC Network because they, they, they did a really good special on this. But, uh, unfortunately, Mike Leach, um, legendary head coach uh, at Washington State and uh, most currently Mississippi State, uh, has passed at the age of 61. We talked about him probably more than Brian Harson, and that's <laughs> Auburn's head coach on this show just for how funny and just like – just lovely he was as just a human being. Like we loved just listening to him talk about not football, just literally everything else. Yeah. And he always put a smile, I know, on me and Christian's faces. So he will be dearly missed. Yeah, he definitely will. It's funny if we were, if we were sponsored or advertised or something. I mean, we could literally make this segment Mike Leach's "Who's Hot and Who's Not." Like you could almost name that episode or that segment that we do. For him, because it seemed like every other week it was another Mike Leach quote that that he said about you know shade trees and lemonades and fat girlfriends or how bad candy corn is or how you need to elope and all sorts of things. I mean, it's it's everything but football with him. But honestly, he's such a a mastermind with that air raid offense that that he created. I would say in college football, you didn't really see it, but you know he was a, a part of that Pac-12 offense where you were watching 63 70-point games every single week, and that air raid started with him. And yeah. it's, it's cool to see uh, the legacy that he's built, and now the fact that he's in the SEC, and we got to see him. And I'm so grateful that I got to go to Mississippi State. I got to go watch one of his final games in Starkville uh, where Auburn unfortunately lost in overtime, but it was a great environment. It was awesome to see what he had built there in just year three with the Bulldogs. And, yeah, I mean, dearly missed, I feel like that's an understatement. Yeah, uh, but moving on, 
We are going to get into the games right now. First off, we have Tennessee versus Clemson. We have number six versus number seven, a little SEC-ACC matchup. That game will be played Friday, December 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It is the Capital One Orange Bowl. Uh, first off, we're just going to talk about Tennessee. Uh, I think all of us know how they've kind of started. They were 8-0, top four spot, were kind of just cruising. Hendon Hooker was – Everybody's, I think, favorite kind of to win the Heisman, or at least he was one of the favorites to win the Heisman. And then you lose to Georgia, which is, I mean, that's respectable. I think we all saw that coming. And then you lose to South Carolina, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like how, how did this happen? Hendon Hooker gets hurt, he's out for the season, ACL, and it just feels like the kind of the wheels just kind of fell off. And then you know you got that win versus Vandy at the end of it. Uh, Obviously, the offense looked amazing throughout the year. The defense looked pretty good, too, but, again, in some games it was shaky. You had that big win versus Alabama where it was like 56-53 to or something like that where it was just like a a lot of points scored and, you know, you win barely on that final play of the game. But what do you think – what did you see out of Tennessee this season? Uh, I mean, it's clear that Tennessee is is back. You know, it feels like – Tennessee almost works with Texas how it's like are they going to be back this year are they going to be back and it's there's always the question marks and the que- the biggest question mark for Tennessee was are they going to have a captain at quarterback that's going to be able to not only develop there but to be able to lead the offense and to be able to to win games for them and you know not only did they find their quarterback but watching somebody like that as a top quarterback in high school or a top transfer quarterback, you're like, well, shoot, I want to go play on that offense too. So, you know, regardless if he can come back or NFL talent, stuff like that, Tennessee is definitely back, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're going to continue to be uh, a big-time threat in the East for for Georgia. And it's It's really cool to see that offense under him and how, how quickly everything changed. It was almost like – you know, like a seven and five year, eight and four year, but it was never, never too impressive. And all of a sudden, Hendon Hooker was at the helm, and it was like, all right, let's go. And that offense was totally changed. I would like to say one thing though. I hear a lot of Tennessee fans talking about like if if, if we're in the spot because of Hendon Hooker and how he got hurt. I don't think that's necessarily the case. They were down eighteen in the fourth quarter to South Carolina when he did get injured. Uh, so I don't want to say that they would have been. They would have been in the playoff if if Hendon Hooker would still be healthy. Granted, that offense can score in 30 seconds, so you don't want to take that opportunity out of there. But, but yeah, again, just seeing that offense under under Hooker, is, it was a really cool thing to watch this year. Yeah, no, no, Hendon, I know we, again, we talked about him at nauseam. It feels like every week we were bringing him up and just how he was able to play uh, the most influential quarterback for Tennessee since Peyton Manning. Just kind of, I think we've, said for years now that Tennessee is starting to build pieces around them. They're just missing that leader, that quarterback position, which is so important in college football. I feel like the quarterback position is important in the NFL, obviously, but you've seen teams win with uh, maybe a Joe Flacco, no no disrespect to Joe Flacco, but like not a really what we would call like a high-level quarterback. In college football, though, it's almost like a must-need. Like you, you better have a perfect team around you to win with like an average quarterback. But if you can have that great special quarterback like a Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, people like that, that's how you win championships. And Tennessee finally found that with Hendon Hooker. He did get hurt. I, I don't – again, you, you're talking about the South Carolina game. I think they lose that game anyways. I think South Carolina, Beamer ball was just rolling, and they were, they were on a hot streak. But 
no, still a great season, but and then they have a huge matchup. They, have, they I mean, you're playing for an Orange Bowl, and I know we again, I've said this at length that we like to pretend like bowl games don't matter, but they do. If you make a New Year's Six bowl, that matters, and you're playing Clemson, so one of the biggest names in college football over the past couple of years. So you want to talk a little bit about them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, ACC champions, uh, believe it or not, you know they they did play a couple of weeks ago. They did win the ACC championship, thirty nine to ten, with their win over North Carolina. Clemson finished two and two versus college football playoff top twenty five opponents. Uh, their best wins were Florida State and NC State. The Florida State win didn't necessarily look as impressive at the time, but after Florida State got a little got on a little bit of a roll there to end the season, that win definitely looks more impressive. Uh, the bad loss to Notre Dame, that's that's kind of the one that that really hurts, you know. I, and then I mean the loss to South Carolina hurts as well, but I feel like you can lose one of the two and be okay. But Getting getting blown out in South Bend definitely didn't help your odds right there because it was like that loss there almost eliminated you from playoff contention. You were looking from the outside in before that game and before your loss to South Carolina. But regardless, I mean, to finish at eleven and two, eleven and two, it shouldn't be too much of a disappointment for Clemson fans. It might be because the expectation has been uh, the college football playoff or bust. But you're still playing in a New Year's Six Bowl in. One of the one of the best games that I think of of the New Year's Six Bowls just because of Tennessee and what that they've built. But looking at the game uh, with Hooker's injury, Clemson is favored by six and a half. Ironically, both are without their starting quarterback, if that's what you want to say, since uh, DJ Uyunglele is in the transfer portal. Klubnik was twenty of twenty four for two hundred and seventy nine yards and two total touchdowns in the ACC championship. Uh, you know, you can talk as much about Klubnik or um, or Will Howard as you want to, or Shipley, I'm sorry, not Howard, um, as much as you want to. But I think the key thing in this game is the Clemson defense versus the Tennessee offense. Obviously, with Hooker there, Hooker not available, it puts a big-time wrinkle in their passing game. Joe Milton can do a lot with his legs, but his arm is still a little questionable. And Tennessee was so good because they were able to run the ball. That was why Hooker was so good. Ironically, you know, you see an, an, a team that you want to consider an air raid team like Tennessee that that passed more than they ran, but they didn't. They ran the ball more than they passed. And I think with Clemson, even when Clemson hasn't looked great this year, their defense honestly has won them a couple games when DJ and the offense has have completely come to a standstill. And so when you're looking at that that right there, you know Clemson allows 20.8 points per game and only 100 rushing yards per game. It's hard for me to think that that Tennessee offense is going to be able to get anything going. And so I actually like Clemson not only to win but to cover that six-and-a-half spot. I like Clemson 30-17. to 17. Mm, Okay, so you, you got them pretty, pretty, pretty sizable, yeah. yeah. Now, th- this game is interesting, though, because you have two teams that, if it weren't for South Carolina, like might be in the playoff. Or, 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 <laughs> or yeah, or at least have a, a yeah. good shot of it because Tennessee would be sitting at 11-1 and one with their only loss being to – Georgia, probably the best team in the nation. Then you have Clemson would be sitting there at, what, 12-1 and with their only loss coming to Notre Dame, and they'd be the ACC champion. So, again, if if you take South Carolina out of the equation, both these teams would have a – or at least one of them would probably be in the playoff. It probably wouldn't be Ohio State. So it is an interesting game, but I actually do agree with you. I do think Clemson gets it done. I think the defense is too starch. I think it's going to be really tough, though. I think Joe Milton is a really good quarterback. I think uh, as far as backup goes, he's about – what you want a backup, yeah. a very capable backup. But, no, I think Clemson's uh, defense is a, 
a little too strong. I think this is going to be low scoring. Though. I think it's going to be like 24-20 because I don't, I don't see Clemson's offense getting really rolling either, but I feel like they will find enough opportunities, maybe some turnovers uh, to just get the job done. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back talking about Bama and Kansas State. Uh, you're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're just kind of going over the uh, New Year's Six games. We will get to the playoff games at the end, but we're going to go over the uh, the other games. And next up we do have Alabama versus Kansas State. This is the All-State Sugar Bowl. It will be played Saturday, December 31st at noon. So another little big noon kickoff. It will be played on ESPN. And when you look at, obviously, Alabama, I feel like that's the, the big team everybody's going to look at in this one. Uh Alabama did go 10 and 2, which I feel like if if I'm correct and I've read my Facebook post correct, uh, all the Alabama fans it's like a losing season. <laughs> like that they yeah. went they basically went 5 and 7 in their minds, but no, you did go 10 and 2, very respectable season, did not play in the SEC Championship. Uh kind of an interesting season where you almost lost to Texas, Texas A&M and Ole Miss, especially the Texas and A&M games. I feel like both those teams had Bama beat and then just couldn't get it done or maybe a couple of calls didn't go their way. Uh, they did go 2-2 two and two versus college football playoff, top 25 point, uh, opponents. Um, uh, biggest argument for uh, not picking Bama other than the two losses is because of their biggest win, which I guess you would say Texas? Yeah. If, oh. you're, if you're looking strictly from a, a ranking standpoint, their win against number 20 Texas is the best of the year just because L- or they lost LSU, but – uh, they're two and two. Their two wins were twenty tech, number twenty Texas, number twenty three Mississippi State. So two top twenty five wins, but you have you know none in the top ten at all. Yeah, and then and again when when you have State and Texas, they both those teams have looked really good at points, but they've also looked horrendous at points. So it was just kind of an interesting thing that like Bama. I know Bama's big argument, especially Nick Saban, was like, well, who would be favored if we got in the playoff? But like again, you don't have any prime wins. Yeah. You needed. You really needed to beat Tennessee, and you didn't beat them. And then, again, LSU, I don't know. I really don't know how you lose that game, but they did lose the game. But that being said, Bama is four points and two plays away from being undefeated, so I guess you could make that argument. But I don't know. I feel like this was a disappointed season for Bama, even though you almost had a perfect season, but you were, again, two plays away from it. And now you're playing in the All-State Sugar Bowl, which, again, this should be an important game for them. But I feel like knowing Alabama, this is – especially when they go to the Sugar Bowl, it's kind of weird. It always feels like they just play down. They don't play very good. And also, you don't know who's going to play. Like, is Bryce Young going to play? Because, or is he going to the NFL draft? So, a lot of variables with it. Yeah, there are. And on, looking on the other side of the field, Kansas State, a team that if I would have a, com- or a, a casual conversation with you, like, hey, Alabama's playing Kansas State this weekend, I don't think there'd be any any second thought of, of picking Alabama. I really don't. It's just the, the name Alabama – versus a much weaker named opponent in Kansas State. You know, you don't really see the the two comparables. But Kansas State is a very solid team. They just knocked off TCU in the Big 12 championship, got their avenge loss from the regular season. Uh, Will Howard, he has come in, and he's looked really good coming in for Adrian Martinez. Uh, He's completed 61% of his passes for 1,400 yards. He has 18 total touchdowns to only three turnovers, and he has got the nod confirmed that he will start over Adrian Martinez, regardless if he's healthy or not, which I think that's deserved. If you if you lead your team to a Big 12 championship, you deserve to start in the bowl game. 
Also, Deuce Vaughn has 1,400 rushing yards on the year. He's averaging 5.3 yards a carry, which is um, you could take that into foot or feet and inches, and that's about how tall he is. I think you don't know how, how much taller he is than 5'3". Um, he has 11 total touchdowns on the year, and this offense they really can move the ball. The only thing is they're one in three versus top 25 opponents. They, their losses are to Tulane, TCU, and to Texas. They did end up beating TCU to win the championship a couple weeks ago which was by far their best win, and they are winners in four straight. So if you're looking at it from a momentum standpoint, that's exactly how you want to end the season. And then I think the biggest thing that you're looking at for for the Big 12 is their off, the offenses in the Big 12 have been very solid this year. They've been able to move the ball, even when you're looking at teams like, like Kansas and Iowa State. Iowa, obviously, that's a totally different story. But the defense is only allowing 20.1 points per game, which is a very solid very solid number when you're looking at. But the line for the game, Bama's favored by three, which I feel like initially surprised me a lot. But then you mentioned the fact of, hey, well, is Bryce Young going to play? Is Will Anderson going to play? And those were things that I didn't even necessarily take into consideration just because I was thinking it's Alabama. You know, it's, it's things like that. Um, an interesting stat is the, the last time that Bama didn't make the playoffs was 2019. And Bama responded in the Citrus Bowl, beating Michigan 35-16 to in a pretty pretty convincing fashion. So if you're looking at it from a, well, what happened was what happened when the last time Bama was upset and weren't or wasn't in the position of 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 making the playoff? Looking, watching those four teams play, they did end up playing very well. Deuce Vaughn ran for 130 yards versus TCU in the Big 12 Championship. Uh, I I'll make a bold prediction. I think he needs 200. On the ground, not even just receiving. He's probably one of their top receivers, or he is one of their top receivers. I think the third, uh, the third leading receiver on their team. But I think he's going to need 200 on the ground to beat Bama. And although it's possible, I feel like that number is just way too high against a Bama team that allows just over 110 rushing yards a game. And so, I'll, I'll, I have it regardless if Bryce win or plays or not. I have Bama winning and covering that three point line. I got Bama by what is it, 18? I got him 38 to 20. Yeah, I mean, again, even if, let's say, Bryce Young and Will Anderson, all these people don't play, I still feel like that line is just – Yeah. I don't know where that came from. And and usually usually when we're when we're iffy on Vegas, they, they tend to be right. Yeah. I, I figured that out now. So I, I hope they're right. I hope this is a really close game and Bama has to work for it. But, again, I feel like Bama's just better. Yeah. I, I feel like they have much better athletes than K-State. Uh, I would love an upset to happen, but I don't really see it happening either. I, I think Bama wins easily, maybe 42-21. I, I don't even think it's going to be very competitive either, maybe, maybe for a quarter, quarter and a half, but I think Bama will probably move along pretty quickly there. Uh, that does lead us uh, – we're going to skip over the uh, the playoff games because they, be, they are on the 31st. They're back-to-back at 4 and 8 uh, p.m. Uh, but we're going to go to the Cotton Bowl, which will be Tulane uh, – the American Conference champion winner, and USC playing. Uh, obviously, USC, very close to being in the playoff, didn't quite make it. So now they get to play the green wave, uh, Tulane, uh, who did defeat UCF of 45-28 to um, in their conference championship. Uh, looked very well this year, beat Kansas State, who are about to go play Bama, beat Cincinnati, split with UCF. They did lose in the regular season. They are 1-0 versus uh College football playoff top 25 opponents. 
I, I do agree right here. You says they're a very, very under-the-radar team. I feel like they have a great ground attack yeah. and one of the best running backs in college football and also have a very solid quarterback in uh, Michael Pratt who did throw for 2,700 yards and 35 total touchdowns. Really good year for Tulane. Uh, glad to see kind of an, like a – Maybe a team that you don't really normally see in this spot be here. Uh, I feel like it's been UCF for a good bit because Gus Bus has gotten them rolling, but I think it is nice to see another team from that conference kind of play up. But they will be playing a Caleb Williams, a Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, uh, and probably a pretty ticked-off USC team. Yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest question right now is whether or not that Caleb Williams, that Heisman-level Caleb Williams will be playing that's that's kind of the big question mark up in the air right now. Uh, had a, a pretty nasty hamstring injury following the the loss in the Pac-12 championship to Utah. Uh, Lincoln Riley said that there were multiple times he tried to take him out of the game because he was under 50%, uh, but he wouldn't come out of the game. And so, you know, I feel like that speaks to to Caleb Williams and everything that he does for that team. It's it's such a it's such a weird feeling because because again it's the same thing with Alabama and Kansas State. If I would have told you casually that Caleb Williams and USC is playing Tulane, you wouldn't even really think that it would be a game. But USC is only favored by a point and a half. Caleb Williams again, his status is it'll, it'll play a lot into what I think will be the final score prediction. Tulane only gives up 188 passing yards a game. And that's a that's a key stat right there. I mean, if you're giving up under 200 passing yards a game, that's it's huge from from any standpoint. Much less if the Heisman Trophy winner doesn't play. If that's the case, true freshman Miller Moss, who is 12 of 14 on the year for 159 yards and a touchdown, would have to lead the Trojans. And I really do think that Tulane could pull an upset here. I feel like it's almost a team like Cincinnati that. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati did end up making it to the playoff, but it was people were you know questioning if that was deserved or not. But I don't think Tulane had hopes of a playoff opportunity or a playoff spot. So I feel like this is as big as they're going to get. So they have every single thing to play for. Rather than if you're USC, you know you had your college football playoff shot and you lost it two weeks ago. And I really do. I really I feel like Tulane has everything to play for. I feel like the status of Caleb Williams again is going to make such a big a big change in in that line or it could because I'm, I'm guessing that one and a half is for him playing right now but if he doesn't play give me Tulane to to take this one yeah I know I kind of wish we had I figured this would be the one game we would have different takes because I actually think Tulane's gonna win too okay. I, I, just, I I feel like it is one of the situations where one I do think they want it probably more but number two I think Tulane's quarterback running back duo is amazing you have Michael Pratt who again we already said his stats he threw for almost 400 against UCF in that championship game and four touchdowns and then Tyja Spears who I think is one of the best running backs in college football went for 199 yards on just 22 carries that's nine yards a carry I think them combined went for over 600 yards and six touchdowns. I think they're good. They're both going to have huge games. I think Tulane's just going to want this more. And again, is Caleb Williams going to be healthy? Big question mark. Even if he is, I still think Tulane's going to get this done. I think it's going to be close. I could see it being like 38, 35, 34, 31, one of those kind of games. But no, give me the green wave. I do. I do think they are going to win. But that is going to lead us into another break. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We just have one more New Year's Six Bowl that is not a college football playoff game to talk about. That is the Rose Bowl between Penn State and Utah. It will be played Monday, January 2nd at 5 p.m. Eastern. That will be on ESPN. Uh, 
just to talk about Utah for a minute. Uh, the Utes have had this like kind of weird year where at times they've seemed amazing, and I, f- I feel like we, we, we've been saying this a lot. A lot of teams, and other times they haven't. Obviously, they went down to Gainesville at the beginning of the season. They lost a pretty close one to Florida, and people kind of wrote them off. I think they lost to U- U- UCLA too, and they also lost to Oregon. But all those games were pretty tight. A UCLA game was a little more off, but the highs were so high. Obviously, they upset USC in the regular season. And then you did make it to the Pac-12 championship game. And then not only did you upset USC, but you you kind of embarrassed them. You just obliterate them. You knocked them out of the water. And, again, you have Cameron Rising, who rose to the occasion in that Pac-12 championship game. I remember we talked about how we thought it was going to come down to quarterback play, and we were going to give it to Caleb Williams, and obviously he was hurt. Didn't really have an O-line to play with either. Uh, played some factors. But, yeah, I think you have to give Utah credit that they – pushed the pace. They did everything they needed to do. They didn't turn the ball over. They looked just really good and sound, and now they're rewarded with what a lot of people probably say is the most historic bowl game in college football with the Rose Bowl playing in that stadium. So, no, congratulations to Utah, 10-3, and Pac-12 championship, Pac-12 champion, and now you're uh, playing in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Yeah, it was a really good year, and it is weird to think about I feel like there's a couple of these teams. I mean, Bama's one of the teams. Utah's one of those teams where if you handle the games that you felt like you should have, you know, obviously there's a couple of games where, you know, things things get out of hand. If we don't talk about the, the UCLA game, but if, if you strictly just Oregon and then that week one in Gainesville where you throw the pick six in the end zone to end the game, if you handle those two games and then you beat USC for the Pac-12 championship, it's hard to say that, that they wouldn't be in over Ohio State or same thing with Bama if – if they stop the two point conversion or if uh, if Tennessee misses the field goal, you know you're looking at that exact same exact same situation, but again, yeah, it's hard to complain when you're playing in the granddaddy of them all. I mean that's if you're not playing in the college football playoff, this is where you want to be and I almost I like that it's not in, it's not a college football playoff game, but I almost wish it was every single year just because of how how beautiful like that game and everything it it brings with it. I feel like it almost it it gives a perfect example of what college football is. And I feel like when you think of like the best games, it comes that Oklahoma Georgia game from a couple years ago. That that just t- that type of game it, it it shows exactly what college football is. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. But yeah, their opponent Penn State. Yeah, they are zero and two in the college football playoff top twenty five. Uh, playing top 25 opponents. Their losses were to Michigan and Ohio State. So if those are your only two losses in a year, again, we've talked about how how hard the Big Ten West is every single year because if Penn State is a 10-2 and two team and those are your two losses, and then all of a sudden you look on the other side and, you know, Iowa, who was it? It was a – who played in the uh, – who did Michigan – Purdue, right? Uh, yeah, yeah the, Purdue was yeah, the Big Ten the East champions. But, you know, they served no competition – to the Wolverines, uh, 39th year starting quarterback Sean Clifford threw for 2,500 yards. And again, it's just one of those weird games. I actually think these two teams are probably the closest in talent of of the New Year's Six games. I feel like you know the lines say otherwise, but I feel like this is such a an equally matched game, which I think it's going to be a really really good game. Both offenses have looked really good at times, and then both offenses have looked really poorly at times. But both defenses are are very solid, and I think it's going to be a really defensive game. I have it here. I think Utah, uh, I guess if you want to give me a two-and-a-half point, give me the cover, but 
again, it's one of those games where you could flip it a field goal either way. I like Utah 27 to 23. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction because I actually agree with you too. I think this might end up being the game to watch. I know there's a lot of big ones. Tennessee, Clemson, you have like two Titans going at it. But if you want just like pure football, I really like, oh, these teams are really even. I think this is going to be a slugout fest. I think this is probably going to be the game to watch. Again, you have that two and a half. Uh, two-and-a-half line in favor of Utah, which pretty much tells me that they think this is pretty even because it's going to be on a neutral field. I will go Utah also. I feel like they'll take what they did in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, especially if you just watch that celebration, you know how much it meant to all of them that they did end up uh, upsetting USC and kind of spoiling their hopes of going to the playoff. I I do think uh, Utah does get the win here over Penn State. Again, I think Penn State's good. I just think – Utah's won bigger games this year. That, that's not even a question. They have. They've beaten better teams than Penn State. Um, and then if you take out a couple of games, they could be in a cultural playoff spot. But I, I do have the Utes. I think it'll be pretty close, like a 37-34 uh, type game. I feel like I've used that score line a lot, but I'm going to use it again because, again, it's it's a toss-up. I feel like Penn State could easily win this game too. But uh, give me Cameron Rising. I, I, I put my trust in him the other week. I'm going to do it again. But that does lead us – into the college football playoff. The first game that will be played on December 31st is the Fiesta Bowl between TCU and Michigan. Michigan is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, which is kind of interesting. Michigan's favored by more over TCU than Georgia is over Ohio State. That kind of shocked me a little bit because I think most people think that Georgia's probably the best team in this playoff, but Michigan does have the nod and the point spread. And when you look at uh, these two teams, it's basically you have the Titan, who is Michigan, who is – Pretty much dominated everybody except, you know, a couple games. Killed their rival, Ohio State, the one big landmarker they had to get over. Took care of Purdue. That wasn't very hard. And then you've got TCU, who has just been the comeback team all year. They've had to literally come back in, what, seven or eight games to win those games and then lose their conference championship game in in heartbreaking fashion. Max Duggan putting his heart on the line, as you can see. We talked about this. Maybe if you do a different play call, they're undefeated. But they do sneak into the playoffs. Not really sneak. They deserved it. They got into the playoffs. And it's just feel like these two starchly different teams. And it's one of those games where I could see Michigan maybe pulling away with it this, and then blowing them out of the water. But I could also see TCU fighting with hard and making this really tough. How do you see this game going down? Yeah, I honestly 100% agree. I don't think it would be a blowout one way or another. I think if it was going to be a blowout, it would be Michigan's run game taking over the TCU defense, uh, or it would be another fourth-quarter battle for Max Duggan versus that Michigan defense. I think a big question that you have to ask, when you're looking at teams like Michigan who use the word cruised through their schedule, I feel like that's a pretty solid word. Other than the Ohio State game, it's, it's easy to get up for that kind of game. And not saying that this isn't a big game to get up for, but everything worked in that game for them versus a very quality opponent. We haven't seen them struggle against a very good opponent. They've struggled against you know, mediocre teams like Northwestern the week before the Ohio State game. But what happens when or if, say, Michigan gets punched in the mouth in the first quarter, TCU puts up 14 on them, and all of a sudden, you know, Michigan's now having to play from behind because the first couple things didn't work like they did against Ohio State. And so, you know, you're you're asking the question of, you know, they've been battle-tested, but 
is one game enough to make a, a complete prediction about everything that this team is? And on the other side of the ball, when you're looking at TCU, shout out Max Duggan. He came in second for the Heisman voting, and I think that's very much deserved for for our, I think my favorite quarterback in college football this year, just with everything that, that he brings to that TCU team. His receivers are going to ha- continue to have to make plays. Um, Quentin Johnston is going to have to have the game of his life, I think, because of that Michigan secondary is so strong. <sighs> my heart wants me to go with TCU, just for the standpoint of an underdog. It's almost like a March Madness Cinderella story. And, again, if it did happen, I think it will be a close game. And I think it will be a close game. I just think Michigan, I think that their run game is just really too strong. And then the fact that you uh, the fact that you add their, their deep threat on top of that, I just feel like that's too much for, for TCU and that offense that sh- or the defense that struggled later in the year against Big 12 teams. I just think Michigan's too much. Yeah, I, th- I think I've been kind of known uh, over these past 14 weeks to pick the team who I think has a better quarterback. I I, th- I think it's just a solid bet unless there's like starchly different um, talent levels at every other position. And then when you look at this game, I think Max Duggan is by far the better quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I n- nothing against JJ McCarthy. I think he's I think he's capable, but I think he is the weakest of the quarterbacks in this college football playoff. And I, and obviously he was. He was the one that wasn't on the Heisman. Everybody <laughs> yeah. else was. Um, but I think when you look at the running game and you look at Donovan Edwards, who is Michigan's backup running back. Of course, Blake Corum gets hurt, season-ending injury. He had Heisman votes too. I think he came in like, what, seventh or eighth or something like yeah. that. Um, and then Donovan Edwards comes in and you're just like, oh, that's just, it's just the same guy. They, yeah. They're both amazing. And it's it, it's that one it's that rare moment where I am gonna go against who I think is probably the best player in the game in Max Duggan, and I think Michigan does take care of it. I just think they're, I just think they're just gonna be too much for TCU. I think TCU is gonna play hard, and I think it's gonna be really really close. And I can see it coming down to like a final drive where JJ McCarthy maybe has to go win the game for Michigan, and I. And, I think he will do that if it comes down to it. I could see this game going like 42-39, just real close, three-point point spread, field goal either way. Uh, could TCU do it? Maybe. But, I, again, I just I think the Wolverines are just too much. Yeah, uh, one thing, too, to note is that Michigan front four, and whenever they sent the blitz, they really got to C.J. Stroud. They made him make some decisions that are very uncharacteristic to him, but it's because they brought so much pressure. Kansas State – heated up Duggan and that offensive line big time and in that first half I you know I've watched Max play a couple of games and he didn't look like himself he was you know throwing the ball overthrowing receivers or underthrowing receivers and it's things that you just don't see a player like Max Duggan do very often but because they heated him up so much it got out of rhythm and then the fact that you're sending the blitz there's not really a run game that's there either and I I would I'm 100% expecting Michigan to be able to do that exact same thing. But if you're telling me that Kansas State has a better front four than Michigan does on the defensive side, I wouldn't believe you. So I think Michigan is going to be able to to, to heat up Max Duggan. I think he will make enough plays. But, again, I just think Michigan's too strong for that, that TCU uh, offensive line. Yeah, and, of course, if Michigan does end up winning, they'll play the winner of Ohio State and Georgia, which we will talk about after the break. You are listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. 
And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We've got one more playoff game to go. That is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. We'll be playing just down the road in Atlanta, about an hour 20 minutes north of here. We have number four, Ohio State versus number one, Georgia. That will be played Saturday, December 31st at 8 p.m. on uh, on ESPN. Georgia is a seven-point favorite. Obviously, you've got C.J. Stroud and Stinson Bennett. They just spent what a weekend together up there in New York at the Heisman ceremony. Neither of them won. I don't. I don't. I think most people didn't think either of them would yeah. win, but I think they both did have pretty outstanding seasons, and obviously they did because both their teams are in the college football playoff. You have Georgia, who's undefeated SEC champion, versus Ohio State, who is eleven and one, but your one loss is to Michigan at the end of the season. A kind of a rivalry game that you could think goes either way. Uh, what are you looking at uh, in Georgia on this one? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing is the fact – I mean, you're legitimately playing in your backyard. I think when you when you were talking about uh, – sorry, go off, off the subject a little bit, but when we were talking about the, the final rankings a while ago, we were talking about should Michigan be number one or should Georgia be number one. Um, I think Georgia – you know, not only do you want that number one spot to go next to your name because it means that much more, but we've talked about how the winner gets to choose – which stadium you're playing in. So for Georgia to be the number one seed and to be able to pick Atlanta, Georgia as, as their home or as the, as the stadium where they're playing, it's essentially going to be be a home game for the dogs. And I want to know if the line played any favor of that because usually home field plays about a field goal um, towards the home team. So I would like to see if that played anything. But I think the biggest thing is going to be the past, uh, the past defense for for Georgia, they gave up 500 yards of passing offense versus LSU in the SEC championship. Granted, some of those were in, you know, late in the third, in the fourth quarter when Georgia was ahead comfortably. So it might not have been the star players or their, you know, the A team out there. But regardless, you're still giving up 500 yards of of offense through the air. And with C.J. Stroud, and again the fact that he was a Heisman contender quarterback or a Heisman finalist quarterback, I should say, he definitely has the ability to spread you out and to to add such a, 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 a an element of of passing that most offenses don't have. Again, when you're looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is not playing because of an injury, that obviously takes such a a, a shot at, at that offense. But someone who's stepped up huge for that Ohio State offense is Marvin Harrison Jr. I feel like he was somebody that – that came in a little bit under the radar, but the catches that he's made this year, there's a couple times where he's, you know, being drugged to the sideline in midair and he barely gets his toes in and stuff like that. Like that's the, those are the highlights that you've seen from him. But I feel like he's quickly become Stroud's number one target. And I feel like that's what you're going to have to do. You're not going to be able to run the ball through the tackles against Georgia. Nobody has, nobody will. Um, You're going to have to be able to spread them out. If you can get them on screens, you know, get, get the defensive linemen, Running towards the sidelines because if you can keep them in the, or if you if you keep the Georgia linemen in the trenches, you're not going to have a chance at this game. No, I feel like this game is kind of interesting in the fact that you got two teams who I think have had vastly different seasons, or maybe not. Maybe you could say they've kind of had the same season except that Ohio State lost their big game they needed to win. And I feel like you could just take Michigan's uh, everything I said about Michigan and just say it for Ohio State, except that Michigan took care of their big game and Ohio State didn't, whereas you have Georgia, who, again, has played in a couple of big-time matchups against Tennessee, um, 
and well, what, what, what I thought was going to be Kentucky, but that didn't turn out to be anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's just I don't know. I feel like this game is interesting. The the fact that you say like uh, Ohio State probably isn't going to be able to run through the tackles, and I would agree with that. But now they're going to be out without Travion Henderson, who it's just reported he's he's going to have to miss. Uh, Ohio State's top running back is going to have to miss the game with a season-ending foot surgery. So it just feels like that mountain just keeps on become tougher and tougher to climb. And I feel like that seven that seven line is pretty accurate. And that that's probably what I would say it is too. I think the dogs do take care of this one. I think it'll be like a 31-24 type game where, I don't know, I, just, I, just, I think just George is better. I think that defense is going to make more plays than Ohio State's offense. And I feel like Stinson Bennett is – level-headed enough to just kind of guide his team to a win. Definitely don't think uh, – he's probably the least talented quarterback of the four, but if we're talking about like the one that I think can just manage a game, which I feel like most people think that's a bad term. It's not a bad term. If you're a really good game manager like an A.J. McCarron or someone like that who can win you ball games by just being smart and not making mistakes, I feel like that's what Stetson Bennett is, and I feel like they'll – do the same in this game. Yeah, I feel like you could you could look at a, a Stetson stat line at the end of the game, and he could be like 13 for 19 with 260 and two touchdowns. Just something right there, nothing that's going to blow you out of the water. But then with that said, I predicted the Georgia the SEC championship game to be like a 31-17, and he went out there and threw for 304 touchdowns. So, you know, he really does go out there and surprise you. But the fact that, again, just the fact that Georgia gives up 77 rushing yards a game and then Travion Henderson not playing. They do have Michael Williams, who is still a very solid running back. But if you're putting Ohio State behind the trenches and you know second and long, third and long, that's where that Georgia defense thrives. They they want you in third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, and they can. They're one of the few defenses that can actually get you there. Pretty much almost every single drive. So when you're looking at dominance on one side of the ball and the ability to make an offense one-dimensional, it's hard to think that that one-dimensional offense is going to be able to beat you. And I agree. I think it it could be right at the line. If anything, it could be, you know, if it's a field goal game, Georgia adds a touchdown later. If it's a touchdown, Georgia adds a field goal late. Uh, I'll give it like a – I like what you said. You said 31-24. Yeah, around there. Yeah, I'll say – I'll say right around there. I'll say 34-27. So, I mean, something pretty much right along those those lines. But, uh, but, yeah, Georgia in their backyard, I expect them to get it done. Well, thankfully, thankfully we won't have to just assume who's going to be in the playoffs. So, I think we will have a show January 4th, yes. if I believe so, and that will be a couple days before the national championship. So, we don't have to, like, go on and, like, predict, like, oh, we think – we think Michigan and Georgia is going to win, so who's yeah, going to win between good. them? Yeah, because yeah, so, you never know, and college football is weird, and we honestly don't know who's going to end up winning that. But uh, just real quick before the end of the show, we're just going to talk about Auburn real quick and kind of what Hugh Freeze is doing. I know a lot of people have talked about how he's not putting a lot of effort into the coaching search maybe, and it's it's gone a lot more towards recruiting. And I feel like the divisiveness is, well, is that smart or not? And I think his logic is – I think he said it like one of his like opening press conferences. Like we're behind on talent with Georgia and Bama, and yeah. that's who we expect to play against. But we are start like we're we're behind bigly, and we we need to make some moves. So I feel like he's hit the recruiting trail hard, and then the coaching has come later. Do you think that's a pretty good strategy, or would you would you do it differently? No, I honestly think that it was really good with what he did. He realized that the one spot that Auburn 
was was missing was in the offensive line. So he went out and rather than getting an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, he went out and got Jake Thornton, the Ole Miss uh, offensive line coach. When Ole Miss, you know, side note, has led the SEC in rushing yards the past two seasons under under Thornton. And so I feel like if you prioritize a coach, a, a great coach in the one spot that you need filled the most, I feel like that's the best way to go about it. So, and it's worked. We've seen him. We've, we saw him flip the, the number one center in 2023 from Miami to Auburn. Uh, there's a couple other big names that are coming. Uh, and then a couple other names that have Auburn high on their crystal ball now that, that didn't necessarily have it a few weeks ago. So I really do think that it's, he did a really good, a really good way of going about everything. And now that the fact that we do have uh, Montgomery in the offensive, uh, offensive coordinator, you know, you're seeing guys like Grayson McCall coming down this week. You know, those are those are big time names that that Auburn. You know, even if you don't get the fact that you're you're that name is now in the conversation. That's such a big thing for Auburn. And the thing that I like the most is. You know, it's 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 kind of the good and the bad with Auburn is everybody has to share their opinion when when something is done or when when a coach is hired or fired or whatever. But then you see the results afterwards, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. And we're almost Auburn is almost at the point now where all of the negative comments towards Freeze are I don't want to say out the window because he hasn't stepped foot in in an Auburn in an Auburn jersey or Auburn pullover, um, you know, on the Auburn sideline yet. But with the recruits that we're seeing him pull in, the negative voices are starting to kind of fade out, and we're starting to see, okay, Auburn lands another one. Okay, Auburn lands another one. And I feel like that's that was what he wanted to do. I mean, it's almost like a silent – you're moving in silence, and I, I really like what he's done so far. Yeah, well – Going along with that, we did just pick up Philip Montgomery, who was the head coach at Tulsa, I think, for the past eight years. He did get fired, but according to Paul Feinbaum, he's one of the great offensive minds in college football. I think Feinbaum said he he knows like every aspect of offense. He did coach at Baylor when RG3 was there. He is a quarterback's coach, too, so he'll come on as a quarterback's coach. So he developed RG3 into what he eventually was, which was a Heisman winner and then a quarterback who played a lot longer than I think people realize at the NFL level so I think that's a very good pickup I I think he's doing everything he needs to do to kind of get the fan base on board like okay we're moving in positive directions we're filling spots we need to fill and I honestly again I I think he's going to turn Auburn to a winner pretty quick I think we've talked about this a little bit I I I really don't see eight wins like I feel like that's attainable next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh came in, turned around, and won eight, and kind of bring back that the the fan base, which you lost midway through the year, and then but then you know obviously Cadillac came in and reunited it again, and then obviously we kept him, so that's a huge give. But I, I'm liking the way the program, like the direction the program is moving. Yeah. Well, that does do it for our first semester here. It's such a weird thing to say. I feel like everything went by so quickly but once again I mean another semester has gone classes have come and gone a regular season has come and gone but after 15 weeks somehow the one thing still standing is tailgate talk and what a thing that is once again we're hoping to be able to go to two hours here for this next um 
this next semester type or the shows that once the schedule gets released, we'd love to be able to, to do that. Or if it's not one, two hour segment, we'd love to get two one hour segments throughout the week. Either one, we wouldn't really complain about whatsoever. As long as we're in here and we're able to talk about sports, I don't think there's too much that you can complain about. Um, as Donovan said earlier, we will be back on here January 4th to cover the college football playoff championship and everything that unfolds before then. We know how, how fast college football can work. And especially after these games, go final uh so many things can can change especially with you know the losing teams or injuries or anything like that so we'll make sure to have every every sort of thing covered from there uh make sure to once again to check us out on spotify uh just search up tailgate talk and you'll find our podcast there uh you'll be able to listen to any of our previous episodes or revisit this one if you need any last minute advice before making your final picks to be able to brag to your friends about winning um Again, yeah, just one one heck of a semester. I'm loving doing it with you. I, uh, I mean, not not in a weird way, but I mean, I really am. I'm so appreciative of of you and everything that this this program, I guess you could say, has become. Um, the fact that, you know, I feel like I told you earlier, like I got recognized. Uh, there was a guy talking about tailgate talk at Publix the other day, and I was like, or a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, hey, like that's that's me. Like I'm I'm one of those guys. I feel like that's such a cool thing just to be able to to experience because when we're doing this, I mean, it's two of us in a little room. We're not sitting there thinking that X amount of people can be listening. And I feel like that's so cool. So, I mean, before we close it out, I mean, do you have any, any final thoughts with, with everything that's going on? Yeah, no, it really has been a blessing. Just everything that's going on. I, I think the, again, our, our chemistry is, is really good. And I, I'm, I'm, maybe, maybe we're off when we just, we, we just don't know it, <laughs> yeah. but, but no, I feel I, I have a fun time doing it. I, th- I think that's the main thing. I just like doing it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a hassle. I think you talked about this uh, during one of the commercial breaks, how finals, I think was kind of tough on both of us, like most college kids. And we're, we're getting to the point where we're about to graduate. So we're, we're hitting those major courses where like the stress is kind of getting high and this isn't a stressful thing. This yeah. is actually like a de-stressor where we can just come in here for an hour, hopefully two hours next semester, a week, and just talk about college football, a sport that we both love. And I'm actually really excited about next semester because, again, we will, be, we will be covering basketball. But if we can get that second hour, we can just kind of just talk about college football, just recruiting news, off-season news just literally anything we want to and I'm I'm excited for that cuz it's not going to be as like stats 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 yeah. this was score uh I think it's going to be fun and I can't wait for it. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we talked about too when we were you know, when we're going through episodes like this, it's almost like you know, we'll be able to cover this in the off season whether it's talking about the 12 team playoff or or NIL stuff or or transfer portal stuff, you know, we'll be able to have those those chunk segments rather than you know, like what you talked about where it's stats and stats. And I feel like that's what we tried to do as much as we could here with having the who's hot and who's not segment where we tried to make it as little about stats as possible where we could just talk. And I feel like that was quickly one of our favorite segments to be able to do just because we were able to to be stupid and be children and, and laugh about college football because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's talking about what you love. So there really is no complaints here. But uh, for Donovan Weaver, I'm Christian Griffin. And from our mini family in the studio to yours, We wish y'all a Merry Christmas, and we will see y'all in 2023. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3, for your weekly dose of college football.